Introductory Remarks of the Exemplary Novels of Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tim Ferreira. The Exemplary Novels by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by Walter K. Kelly. Introductory Remarks. Preface. It seems to be generally admitted that in rendering the title of a book from one language into another, the form of the original should be retained, even at the cost of some deviation from ordinary usage. Cicero's work, De Officius, is never spoken of as a treatise on moral duties, but as Cicero's offices. Upon the same principle we have not entitled the following collection of tales, instructive or moral, though it is in the sense that the author applied to them the epithet exemplaris as he states distinctly in his preface. The Spanish word, exemplo, from the time of the archpriest of Gita and Don Juan Manuel, has had the meaning of instruction or instructive story. The Novelas Exemplares was first published in 1613, three years before the death of Cervantes. They are all original and have the air of being drawn from his personal experience and observation. Tickner, in his History of Spanish Literature, says of them, and of the impertinent curiosity inserted in the first part of Don Quixote, quote, Their value is different, for they are written with different views and in a variety of style greater than he has elsewhere shown, but most of them contain touches of what is peculiar in his talent, and are full of that rich eloquence and of those pleasing descriptions of natural scenery which always flow so easily from his pen. They have little in common with the graceful storytelling spirit of Boccaccio and his followers, and still less with the strictly practical tone of Don Juan Manuel's tales, nor, on the other hand, do they approach, except in the case of the impertinent curiosity, the class of short novels which have been frequent in other countries within the last century. The more, therefore, we examine them, the more we shall find that they are original in their composition and general tone, and that they are strongly marked with the original genius of their author, as well as with the more peculiar traits of the national character, the ground, no doubt, on which they have always been favorites at home, and less valued than they deserve to be abroad. As works of invention, they rank, among their author's productions, next after Don Quixote, in correctness and grace of style they stand before it. They are all fresh from the racy soil of the national character, as that character is found in Andalusia, and are written with an idiomatic richness, a spirit, and a grace, which, though they are the oldest tales of their class in Spain, have left them ever since without successful rivals. The first three tales in this volume have merely undergone the revision of the editor, having been translated by another before he was engaged on the work. For the rest, he alone is responsible. Walter K. Kelly Dedication To Don Pedro Fernandez de Castro, Count of Lemos, Andrade, and Villalba, etc. Those who dedicate their works to some prince commonly fall into two errors. The first is, that in their dedicatory epistle, which ought to be brief and succinct, they dilate very complacently, whether moved by truth or flattery, on the deeds not only of their fathers and forefathers, but also of all their relations, friends, and benefactors. The second is, that they tell their patron they place their works under his protection and safeguard, in order that malicious and captious tongues may not presume to cavil and carpet them. For myself, shunning these two faults, I here pass over in silence the grandeur and titles of your Excellency's ancient and royal house, and your infinite virtues both natural and acquired, leaving it to some new Phidias and Lysippus to engrave and sculpture them in marble and bronze, 
that they may rival time in duration. Neither do I supplicate your excellency to take this book under your protection, for I know that if it is not a good one, though I should put it under the wings of Astolfo's hippogriff, or beneath the club of Hercules, the Zoeli, the Cynics, the Aretinos, and the Boers will not abstain from abusing it out of respect for any one. I only beg your excellency to observe that I present to you, without more words, thirteen tales, which had they not been wrought in the laboratory of my own brains, might presume to stand beside the best. Such as they are, there they go, leaving me here rejoiced at the thought of manifesting, in some degree, the desire I feel to serve your excellency as my true lord and benefactor, our lord preserve, etc. Your Excellency's Servant, Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, Madrid, 13th of July, 1613. Author's Preface I wish it were possible, dear reader, to dispense with writing this preface, for that which I put at the beginning of my Don Quixote did not turn out so well for me as to give me any inclination to write another. The fault lies with a friend of mine, one of the many I have made in the course of my life with my heart rather than my head. This friend might well have caused my portrait, which the famous Don Juan de Waregui would have given him, to be engraved and put in the first page of this book, according to custom. By that means he would have gratified my ambition and the wishes of several persons, who would like to know what sort of face and figure he has who makes bold to come before the world with so many works of his own invention. My friend might have written under the portrait, quote, This person whom you see here, with an oval visage, chestnut hair, smooth open forehead, lively eyes, a hooked but well-proportioned nose, and silvery beard that twenty years ago was golden, large moustaches, a small mouth, teeth not much to speak of, for he has but six, in bad condition and worse placed, no two of them corresponding to each other, a figure midway between the two extremes, neither tall nor short, a vivid complexion, rather fair than dark, somewhat stooped in his shoulders, and not very light-footed. This, I say, is the author of Galatia, Don Quixote de la Mancha, the journey to Parnassus, which he wrote in imitation of Cesare Caporali Parisino, and other works which are current among the public, and perhaps without the author's name. He is commonly called Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. He was for many years a soldier, and for five years and a half in captivity, where he learned to have patience and adversity. He lost his left hand by a musket shot in the Battle of Lepanto, and ugly as this wound may appear, he regards it as beautiful having received it on the most memorable and sublime occasion which past times have overseen, or future times can hope to equal, fighting under the victorious banners of the son of that thunderbolt of war, Charles V of blessed memory. Should the friend of whom I complain have had nothing more to say of me than this, I would myself have composed a couple of dozen eulogiums, and communicated them to him in secret, thereby to extend my fame and exalt the credit of my genius for it would be absurd to expect the exact truth in such matters. We know well that neither praise nor abuse is meted out with strict accuracy. However, since this opportunity is lost, and I am left in the lurch without a portrait, I must have recourse to my own tongue, which for all its stammering may do well enough to state some truths that are tolerably self-evident. I assure you then, dear reader, that you can by no means make a fricassee of these tales which I here present to you, for they have neither legs, head, bowels, nor anything of the sort. I mean that the amorous intrigues you will find in some of them are so decorous, so measured, and so conformable to reason and Christian propriety, that they are incapable of exciting any impure thoughts in him who reads them with or without caution. I have called them exemplary, because if you rightly consider them, there is not one of them from which you may not draw some useful example, and were I not afraid of being too prolix, I might show you what savory and wholesome fruit might be extracted from them, collectively and severally. 
My intention has been to set up, in the midst of our community, a billiard table, at which everyone may amuse himself without hurt to body and soul, for innocent recreations do good rather than harm. One cannot always be at church, or always saying one's prayers, or always engaged in one's business, however important it may be. There are hours for recreation when the wearied mind should take repose. It is to this end that alleys of trees are planted to walk in, waters are conveyed from remote fountains, hills are leveled, and gardens are cultivated with such care. One thing I boldly declare. Could I by any means suppose that these novels could excite any bad thought or desire in those who read them, I would rather cut off the hand with which I write them, than give them to the public. I am at an age when it does not become me to trifle with the life to come, for I am upwards of sixty-four. My genius and my inclination prompt me to this kind of writing, the more so as I consider, and with truth, that I am the first who has written novels in the Spanish language, though many have hitherto appeared among us, all of them translated from foreign authors. But these are my own, neither imitated nor stolen from any one. My genius has engendered them, my pen has brought them forth, and they are growing up in the arms of the press. After them, should my life be spared, I will present to you The Adventures of Persiles, a book which ventures to compete with Heliodorus. But previously you shall see, and that before long, the continuation of the exploits of Don Quixote, and the humors of Sancho Panza, and the weeks of the garden. This is promising largely for one of my feeble powers, but who can curb his desires? I only beg you to remark that since I have had the boldness to address these novels to the great Count of Lemos, they must contain some hidden mystery which exalts their merit. I have no more to say, so pray God to keep you, and give me patience to bear all the ill that will be spoken of me by more than one subtle and starched critic. Vale. End of Introductory Remarks